Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second episode of this week. We're trying something new, as we mentioned in the last episode. This is going to be more of our potpourri episode. So if you're looking for the game recaps of the embarrassments that they faced in New York twice in a row, uh, you'll find those in next week's first episode, which launches Wednesdays. This is our Saturday episode. We're here to have a little bit of fun. I'm Dan Rosell, and I'm joined by John Fisher. And John, are you ready for this game I've prepared for you? We're going to just lead off right away. Okay, Dan, I'm game for this game. What is the game? Okay, perfect. So, you know, I've been in a, a mood recently of, man, every time the Devils have the puck, it feels like they're just walking a tightrope on the way to disaster. It doesn't look like there's any uh, daylight there. So I took to thinking, what if we were to play a game inspired in the style of uh, Merrick vs. Wyshynski and especially Billy on the Street called uh, Obscure Former Devil or Tightrope Walker? Now, I'm going to give you a name. <laughs> And this name is either of an obscure former devil, and uh, this is full admission, I'm learning all these names for the first time as of today, or is this a famous tightrope walker as alleged by Wikipedia's page of famous tightrope walkers? Are you ready, John? Okay, I will I will ensure the listeners and yourself, Dan, that I am, by the honor system, not looking at Hockey Reference, Hockey DB, or Wikipedia as I play this game, I am. There's only one thing on my screen right now. That's the all about the jersey dot com homepage, which has no information about obscure devils or tight tight rope walkers whatsoever. And uh, given that this is a devils podcast, I'll give a little bit of a blurb about uh, this person's time with the team in Jersey when they played, what position, how many games they were New Jersey devil. Uh, I'll give you a quick spoiler. All of them that I've selected have played less than 50 games. All right, so these are obscure devils. Obscure devils. You're not going to hit me with. You're not going to hit me with Esotikinen, who only played like nine games with the team. Or no, something no, like I've that. heard that name before. Exactly, it's not obscure. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going okay. much deeper cut here, and oh, like boy. I said, obscure former devil or tightrope walker. John, are you ready? Let's do it, Dan. Our first name is Bird Millman. <laughs> Bird Millman. Bird Millman. I'm going to guess that Bird is a tightrope walker. Bird Millman is indeed a tightrope walker. Good job on that first one. I got one right, everybody. I want the record to show that this hockey blogger got one right. And so that's already more than a lot of people could get, but let's move on to Pierre Dagenet. Definitely a devil. I remember (laughs) reading about him in the hockey news. He was a top 10 prospect for years. Word on the street was that he was a terrible skater, but he could score, quote-unquote, goal-scorer goals. In other words, he had a really good shot, but he had nothing else. And so you are correct again. He was a right wing who played 25 games for the team from 2000 to 2002, and really it went nowhere, as we all know. So good job on that one. Next we have Fyodor Milotsov. Fyodor Milotsov. I'm going to go with tightrope walker. He is indeed a tightrope walker. So uh, I hope you're not looking for a pattern here, because that's when things uh, tend to go wrong. Yeah, it's not going to be alternating, is it? I I don't think so. That's uh, by design. I didn't arrange it that way, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I can't give away too much. Next name on the list is Jay Cochran. I'm going to go with tightrope walker. He is indeed a tightrope walker, and this was by far the most confusing one when I was reading the name, because Jay Cochran, you immediately are like, okay, that sounds pretty hockey player-y, but let's move on to Gary Howitt. Definitely a devil. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I want to say 
is was he actually a devil or is he more appropriately a rocky he was a devil from 82 to 84 okay he missed the he missed the rockies then okay Mm -hmm. and he played 44 games he was a left wing for the team how about this one ray Giroux? definitely a devil and he had he had like eight amazing games (laughs) no i'm sorry i'm confusing it with sean brown he didn't have eight amazing games (laughs) But he was a devil. I know that much. I believe he was a defenseman. Ray Giroux was indeed. John, you're on top of this. You said you don't know much uh, obscure devils trivia. It's all here. He is a defenseman from 2002 to 2004 with 22 games of experience under his belt as a devil. Yeah, Sean Brown was better than him. <laughs> We're a little <laughs> bit over halfway through the list. We got Timo Blomquist. Oh, he's a devil and one of the many attempts at bringing in a Scandinavian player before... The Devils hit gold uh, later, I believe, with Tommy Abilene. And, uh, yeah, he is a defenseman. 20 games from 86 to 87. Yeah. Philippe I think Petit. Philippe Petit. I'm going to go with Tightrope Walker. Mm-hmm. Tightrope Walker. Uh, so you are rolling right along. I believe that's yeah. 8 for 8 so far. Yeah, I assure everybody, my win, my browser is looking straight at Mike's post today about after a rough start, Nikita Gusev has come alive as one of the Devil's Best Players. By the way, in my month in review, I named him Devil of the Month, so I fully agree with Mike. Go read his stuff. I'm not looking at anything else, I assure you. My phone only has a list of mentions of the questions that we're going to – some of the questions we're going to hear from you later in this episode. All right, so the last two names I have here are Sam St. Laurent. Sam St. Laurent, I believe, is a Devils goaltender. Ooh, 85 to 86, four games I in the say, red and black. I Well, or technically green. red, white, and green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say he was at a, a call-up from Maine, because I think Maine was their AHL team at the time. Okay. I don't know. Uh, sure. I mean, I believe yeah, we'll you. go with it. <laughs> the last name on the list is Denis Jocelyn. I'm going to go with Tightrope Walker. Ooh, John Fisher, 10 for 10. Now, yes! If anyone, I actually did well in trivia for once with the Devils. Now, if anyone feels like questioning your authority and fanhood, they can just point to this and say, how many of these names would you have gotten between former Devil and uh, famous tightrope artist? Or, you know, just go to the website and see the things I've written for the last 10 years. Well, listen, if they haven't already been doing that, then uh, I'm not sure what they're doing listening to this, to be honest with you. That's fair. We do post this on the site. <laughs> so there you go. Good job, John. I hope you enjoyed Thank that you. game. And we'll be that doing, was, yeah. We'll be doing a, a few more of these where, you know, things aren't always as they seem unless you've been watching the Devils as long as you have and you know them inside and out. So just wanted to start off the weekend with a little bit of levity there. That, that was good. I appreciate that, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so let's move on to some of the other topics that we got from you guys that we weren't able to maybe less so fit in the main episode, but there's stuff that's obviously worth discussing. And one of the things I wanted to ask you really is there's, you know, when the when the mini streak had happened that we alluded to in our previous episode, and there looked to be an upturn in the play of the Devils, a lot of people thought, okay, maybe Nazardine should get a chance after the season, just given you know, eye test of how the team looked and how they were competing further on. Now, obviously, there's a divergence of thoughts about this, and I think realistically it's very tough to justify keeping him in after he was a member of the staff that was being ineffective and still looks to be a little ineffective. But I want to ask you, is there any credence to the thought that Nazardine will remain the Devils coach after this season? No. 
Okay. <laughs> How's that for a blunt answer? Uh, no, it's a long build-up to a short so. answer. <laughs> well, to be fair, let's take a step back first. Nazardine's main role with the Devils under John Hines was that he was in charge of the defense and the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Now, the penalty kill has been one of the few things that has been consistently good for the past five seasons. Um, and if not in success rate, then definitely in the underlying numbers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. However, as we have seen over the past two seasons, this season included, you can have a really good penalty kill performing team and still be one of the worst teams in the, in the NHL. Like you definitely don't want to have a bad penalty kill, but a good penalty kill is not going to make the difference between you being a bad team and a mediocre team or a mediocre team and a good team and a good team and a very good team. Mm. It's, it's for lack of a better word, a, it's a luxury of sorts. It's like air conditioning, central air conditioning. You don't need central air conditioning, but a lot of people would like to have it. Right. That's how. That's my comparison to penalty killing. And more importantly, with Nazardine as the interim head coach, it was uh, recently reported by Abby Mastracco in the record that Mike Greer has been taking more responsibility about the penalty kill these days, which mm-hmm. begs the question, if the penalty kill is good under Mike Greer, why not just keep Mike Greer as an assistant uh, rather than Nazardine? Because it's not like Nazardine's influence has been that strong, which leads me to the second and more salient point of why you shouldn't keep Nazardine, which is the defense has been arguably much worse under him Mm -hmm. and i've got the numbers from december in front of me here the five on five numbers i'm big on five on five numbers now because it's the most common situation in hockey if you're really good at what you're supposed to be doing in the game you should be getting it done at five on five and the defense is was literally one of the worst in the nhl in december which mind you nazardine was behind the bench for all of for every game in December, except for one. And most recently, in the recent losses to the Islanders and our hated rivals, again, defensive miscues happen. I will concede that some of these mistakes are just, for lack of a better word, brain farts by certain defensemen, especially Damon Severson, who just keeps seeing his mistakes end up in the back of the net. Well, so just to and, contrast it from like a systemic approach of any, for well, any reason, you know? Well, ex- yes. I mean, okay. the point I'm trying to make is that you know, when it comes to picking up men around the net or winning loose pucks or making a clearance happen, there's no, no system or coach is going to make it or even a talent level. It's really effort at that point, effort and awareness mm-hmm. and making the play to make those types of uh, plays work on defense. That being said, I'm a big believer that if you continually show that you're among the bottom five teams in shooting attempts against or shots against or chances against and you're bleeding goals against despite having an awesome performance from Blackwood night in night out guess what your defense is not good and who's who who bears the blame for that again who coached this defense for the better part of the last five seasons the guy who's the interim head coach right now so even though the devil's offense has certainly picked up a bit and have started scoring a few more goals as of late this week not notwithstanding the defense has been arguably worse <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, short of a miraculous run of uh, results, there's no reason to keep Nazardine around longer than this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I agree with you. I think that it's we've had that voice for so long that even though I, I think their uptick in play has more to do with the fact that something has changed than it specifically is Nazardine in charge. I think the responsibility they feel for getting a guy that by all accounts, the players really liked fired at least this season. I I think that has them giving a little bit more of an effort. Obviously there's still a lot of mistakes and brain farts and a lot of systemic, you know, as you were alluding to five V five issues. So I really don't think it's realistic to expect that he'll be around now. Will he be around the team? That's a different question. 
because he does seem very well liked and obviously they want to win for him but i think they do better just resetting the coaching situation in general yeah. i think that would be much more fruitful and when they have the time to do it in the summer and adjust to any new systems that happen with this new coach at the very least they'll have plenty of preparation right now i will give nazardine this much credit um right now that Hines has coached, I believe, 26 games with the Devils this season. Mm-hmm. And Nazardine, he, you know, with uh, Saturdays coming up, he'll be up to 18. So it's not exactly a apples and oranges comparison at the point yet. But um, And there's still many flaws with this team mm-hmm. that we have seen throughout the season. However, there is some, there may be some signs of evidence that the team has played legitimately better in smaller respects for example third periods i'll I'll use that as an example because i'm going to have a whole post about it on monday Mm -hmm. since third periods have been kind of a problem for this season uh the good news is that the team has not been blowing up uh big leads in the third period it's only happened uh twice under nazardine the first home his first game in las against las vegas and the toronto game that ended with an own goal um however the, the performances in third periods, the Devils have a better expected goals uh, for a ratio. The, the attempts ratio is actually above 52%. The shots, four percentages above 52%. Granted, Washington and Tampa Bay could you know kick a whole lot of sand in the Devils' face and ruin those percentages. Mm. But, they're, but the point is that they're much better than what they were under Hines. Mm-hmm. It's not just goals. It's also, are they attacking more? Are they, should they, in theory, be outscoring the opposition? And, and I could say, under Nazardine, Yes. Under Hines, not quite. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big victory. It's not something that's going to easily show up in the results. And I got another spoiler for you. The results have not come. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but nevertheless. You don't say. <laughs> nevertheless, there is a little bit. There there may be some kernels of evidence to when people say, oh, you know, the team looks better under Nazardine. Well, if the team truly is looking better under Nazardine, we should see it in the data. And there may be some some data points that suggest that, yeah, things are a little bit better. Not enough to make the team any better than, say, a bottom five team in the NHL, but not maybe not 30th work, not 30th in the in the NHL. Yeah. And the talent level suggests that that shouldn't be the case. But, you know, the, the games aren't on paper. No, they're not. So, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to dispel any notion of that happening and i mean you should want a new coach right you don't want someone who has been in this regime that's been associated so negatively with the team at this point yeah i mean again it goes back to your point is that well the players like the coaching staff well yeah and and look how much they've won under them mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it's not a, it's great that you like your coach i mean you don't you certainly don't want a coaching staff that's going to be abusive or make everybody feel like they got to walk on eggshells and things of that nature. I mean, you know, nobody wants a, uh, for lack of a better term, a toxic workplace environment. However, this is a results-oriented business, and those results are driven by processes, and we have the evidence that shows that neither of those were at the level of where we want the Devils to be. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like three or four seasons ago where if it, if the se- if the team was like this, you just shrug your shoulders and go, they're rebuilding. Like, the expectation for this season was much higher. The team made bigger moves to show that they were not going to be this bad of a team and you know it is what it is so i i fully agree you got to basically get a new set of voices in the room a new staff i mean if you want to keep greer and maybe well maybe only greer to be quite honest with you for, in terms of assistant uh great you know have him keep running the pk maybe you can groom him to b- take a larger role in the future but uh yeah this is the this is the 
offseason of go out and get a new set of voices, a new set of tactics. This team is built for speed and offense. Open it up and figure out a way to do so without the Devils becoming so negligent <laughs> on defense. Right. That would be great. I mean, I'd love to... Uh, it's just so frustrating when it feels like every single goal they score takes so much effort. And then on yep. the other end, you've got Severson shoveling a pass right into the slot. And It's what? worse than that. There were three other devils in the area. And none of them had their sticks on the ice. And like, they just get torched. Nobody could bail it out. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a lack of care and attention to detail that would probably only come with an entirely new voice unrepresentative of the old regime. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so some other things to discuss. So Blackwood got pulled yesterday, which was uh, tragic for all of us rooting for him. But he's been a workhorse through the month of yep. December and the early part of January. So is there any concern that you have with riding Blackwood as much this season when the results don't matter as much? Or is it important that he gets this kind of starter's experience when the stakes get higher? He needs to have all these games mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. First, it's still important at a team level that your team needs to be competitive. And in the few games that we got, we've seen out of Louis Domingue, in addition to the few games of Corey Schneider and the cameo appearance of Gillisen, if you want this team to be anything remotely close to competitive at this moment, you need to play Blackwood. Simple as. Mm -hmm. um, yes, he got pulled in the Ranger, um, our hated rivals game. I almost said the R word. Uh, <laughs> But but truth be told, his numbers have been utterly fantastic in five on five. Like, for example, in December, the Devils had a bottom 10 save percentage in five on five play at 91.1 percent. But Blackwood was above was hovering around 94 percent by himself, which tells you that's how bad the other goalies were. Um, and granted, a lot of those goalies did not get a lot of help from the aforementioned uh, defensive effort by the New Jersey Devils. You know, guys standing in front of the goalie, guys giving up the puck, guys not covering the point men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to that end, the, one of the big things the Devils could do for the future is find out whether or not Blackwood is going to be their guy. And the only way you're going to find that out is if you play him a lot. Because otherwise, that would open the door of do you go out and draft Yaroslav Askarov at a high position this year? Do you go out and spend a lot of money for a big goaltender? There's already rumors coming out of Montreal that Carey Price may be available. And keep in mind, he's got a remarkably terrible contract. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that's, I'm not endorsing it, but I'm I don't know saying, if that's the solution here. <laughs> I'm not saying he's the solution, but you have to ask the question do you go out and get a veteran, somebody who is a quote unquote number one goalie, or do you say, hey, Let's see if our young guy here is the guy, and then we can focus on getting a 1B or a 2, uh, someone to spell him as necessary. And again, how are you going to find that out? You play him a lot and see how he handles a heavy workload. How can he handle difficult situations? How he can handle uh, tough nights when the defense just you know doesn't want to play, want to do their job. And we've seen that not only last night against our hated rivals. We've seen that again in the Toronto game. We've seen that a whole bunch of other times in December, For quite frankly. And the guy, you know, again, he's the main reason why the Devils have been in, even close in these games. So I agree that he's getting fatigued. I think, you know, he had his teeth broken in a game recently. Yeah. Uh, he's been sick. He's been playing a lot. And, you know, I know there were five goals against our hated rivals, but he was screened on like three of them. Like he's not going to stop what he can't see. No, no goalie can. Mm -hmm. So I'm not super concerned about his performances. I think if anything, he's been a bright spot on, in this uh, dismal season. So you might as well keep playing him because what, what value are you going to get about playing Domingue like 30 games mm -hmm. or 
even in Gillis Sen, like I understand he may be a prospect of the future, but this is literally his first pro season in hockey. I don't think he did badly in Columbus, but I, I see no reason why he should get a whole lot of games either. Like Blackwood is, if you think Blackwood's your man, play him, play him, and play him some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's young. What are you exactly saving him for? It's so far out of the playoff picture that they're not going to be playing many meaningful games, but they are meaningful to him. They, exactly. It, it's somewhere that even if the results don't go their way, if they lose like, I don't know, like a tough one nothing game, that's still a good thing to take away from Mackenzie or for Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, because he exactly. was it builds his confidence. It gets him a lot of valuable experience and it really there's no reason not to. Yeah, and the big thing about goaltenders, Dan, is that they're such a difficult position to nail down. Like, there's a common phrase in the analytics community that says, goaltending is voodoo, which is ironic. You would think that goaltending being so important to a team's success that they'll gripe and moan about, oh, this coach got fired because the goalie was bad. Well, guys, do you know a good way to analyze goaltending? No, it's voodoo. Yeah. Okay. Sure, and wave it away because you don't have – well, truth be told, they don't have the data to measure it with. It's not their fault. They don't they, they don't have the data that they need, presumably. But based on what we do know, Dan, is that you can't really figure out if a goaltender is legit until they suddenly become legit, if that makes any sense. Like it's the old, it's the old problem that you would hear in the old commercials, which is, uh, you know, how do I get the job if I don't have the experience? Well, how can I get the experience if I don't have the job? Mm-hmm. Well, in this situation the Devils are in – Blackwood can pick up the experience and you can have the answer of can this guy play 50 games on a regular basis for the next five, six seasons, or do we need to spend a lot of money to get somebody who will? Yeah, exactly. That's if you think he's the guy and everyone wants him to be the guy because you don't want to have to go out and pay someone a lot of money to be the guy, which when it works, it's worth it. But there's there's often risk involved. You can see in Florida, you know, Bobrovsky had a tough start to the year and he's paid so much money and now he's kind of turned around a little bit but it's still like okay but if he was going to not get them through the early part of the season then what did they get him for yeah and at the same time as much as we harp on goaltending being important well again the devil's just got a 94 percent five on five save percentage out of blackwood legitimately one of the best in the league in december and they won five games with it like Mm -hmm. you still need to score goals you still need to play defense you still need to succeed when you have opportunities to succeed you need to stop taking so many dang penalties uh you know there are still other things you need to address but the very minimum if they can establish that blackwood is their man and this is the season to do it if it means giving him way more games than you otherwise would then that's a small victory that you can pull out of the season it means this season isn't totally for nothing at least it definitely isn't for blackwood and it definitely isn't for management Mm mm-hmm I think that they will end up giving him the absolute lion's share of the work moving forward as long as he doesn't get injured or continue losing teeth mid-game. Yeah, that's that's always a problem. You yeah, got to have your teeth. <laughs> you never want to do that. Okay, great. And just another thing we wanted to bring up here is that as we approach, you know, we're in 2020 now. That means the deadline is creeping closer and closer and closer. And obviously the Devils have some business to attend to. But of the players that are the remaining undrafted, or sorry, unrestricted free agents, which one of them is most likely to move first, given that they've already moved Taylor Hall? And we all know the list. We've talked about it. We've got Wayne Simmons, an obvious candidate. 
Sammy Votnin's an obvious candidate. Is Andy Green a potential candidate? And the last one I want to talk about is Kyle Palmieri. But let's just uh, – which one of those do you think is most likely to get moved first? Well, I want to clarify that Palmieri has another year yes, on his contract. Yes, yes, yes. So he's not he, – he, he'll be a UFA at the end, but – Right. His not, name has been floated him. around. Uh, okay. So I just wanted to include him as well as yeah, a name. These are – and this ties into some of the questions that we received through our Twitter account, both uh, Damian Shaw and uh, asked specifically about Palmieri and Vatnin, and Kristen specifically asked about Palmieri. So we're going to lump all this together in one happy group hug of uh, answers here. So if we're talking about pure value in terms of who could get the biggest return, mm-hmm. the answer would be Vatnin, because... Mm-hmm. As we have learned with Adam Larson, is that right-sided defensemen are apparently worth their weight in gold in this in this league. And Vatnin, he's 28. He has a lot of points. And say what you want about points. Um, you know, they don't fully define a player's value. But to pretend that they have no value is also just as stupid. Well, especially so, a defenseman. Especially for a defenseman. Vatnin, you know, he has way less like he, his cap hit is 4.875 million right now anybody who picks him up now would be paying a lot less than that because he's already paid he already has half of his season close to being paid out by new jersey so this opens the door for a lot of the quote-unquote more cap strung teams the teams that maybe want to quote-unquote go for it if they feel that they need a defenseman they need somebody who could uh help on their power play somebody who could play 20 minutes 20 21 minutes 22 minutes even Vatnin will definitely be an attractive option. You know, that's just way better than, say, a 31-year-old Wayne Simmons who hasn't scored a goal in over a month and a half. Mm-hmm. It's more value than a 37-year-old Andy Green, who, mind you, has a no-trade no clause. So he has some control over whether or not he gets moved. I would argue Palmieri could bring in more, but, again, it, it, it boils down to what the what – the, needs are like do people really need another right winger or would they rather have a right-sided defenseman and again the, the right-sided defensemen have been coveted uh in recent years so i would imagine vatten could draw more value than a palmary would i would also argue that if the devils need to move any of these players i would rather have them move vatten first than palmary but we'll touch on that in a little bit mm-hmm. so that's that's how i see it in terms of raw value in terms of guys i think think they will trade and timing wise i want to emphasize that yes the person that they're most likely to trade first is probably going to be the easiest person to trade which means they will probably have lower value no correct yeah if everybody knows you're going to move this guy then mm-hmm. you know nobody's going to run run to the phone and say okay let's let me give you this killer deal here and keep in mind the devils don't have a second or a third rounder this year so mm-hmm. in terms of what they could get back i would imagine if if Vatnin's on the table, you know, I got to think at least a second rounder's got to be di- at least discussed, whether it's for 2020, whether it's a conditional, whether it's even a 2021 second, um, you know, because the Devils have those holes due to previous trades that they made years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly want to say Simmons could be the guy who could be moved first, mm-hmm. and I'll explain why. The guy, it's, I understand fans like Simmons because he plays that rough and tumble style. He apparently yells at Miles Wood in practice, and people like that. Um, poor but, Miles Wood. <laughs> poor Miles Wood. Yeah, he's a he's a guy I would also honestly have the Devils try to move if if I would, but that wasn't the question. The question is who's going to get moved first. I honestly think it's Simmons because he's your prototypical winger with veteran experience. He's 
He's a rough and tumble character who honestly could use a change of scenery because, again, he's got this massive scoring slump. He's not on the team's first power play unit, which is kind of stupid when you really think about it because why else would you bring in Wayne Simmons if you're not going to have him on your primary power play unit? Mm-hmm. I mean, the man literally made his money, you know, dominating right post, pivot, score. <laughs> or Standing right post, in front of the pivot, net. Stand in front of the net or right pivot, pass, pass out to the wing, and they score. Our, our wizards behind the bench don't believe he deserves to be there, so they don't. Uh, anyways, a lot of boxes can be checked for a guy like him. And while his salary is high for the season, again, by this point, that he's no one who, who's going to pick him up is going to have to pay $5 million. It's going to be closer to two and a half, maybe even less if the Devils are willing to retain a little salary, which they've already demonstrated they're willing to do with Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Simmons would probably be the first to go. Um I will clarify, though, I would be a little surprised if we see any deals made before the All-Star game. I think after the All-Star game, you know, all bets are off in terms of when trades are going. Just going by what happened last season where it wasn't until February, then all of a sudden, you know, this guy goes, this guy goes, this guy goes. The next thing you know, four guys have already been dealt, and, you know, that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think Simmons is, is likely to go before Vatnin or um, anyone else. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, just because it, he feels like the easiest asset to move, and I'm pretty sure they want to keep someone like Votnin around, uh, just because yeah. it is, as you alluded to, hard to find that right-handed D-man who accused or, or accrues a lot of points, and in, this is being done on a team that is, what, 30th in the league for goal scored, and he's managing to be something like a top 10 defenseman in points since Hines got fired. I think I saw this from CJ the other day. Yeah, again, he's benefited from being on that primary power play unit, the yep. only one that seems to score, but you, you can't knock it. Like, he's on pace of surpassing his point totals from his 57 games with the Devils two seasons ago when the Devils traded for him. And there's also the optics of it as well. I mean, keep in mind that Shero trading Sammy Vatten in a way almost begs the question of, like, okay, it was a good deal at the time, so why are you dealing him now? Like, do you not trust that you're going to keep him? You know, what are you going to get in return for him? Because you moved Adam Henrique and Joe Blandisi and a, and a, for him in a conditional. So what is Vatnin going to yield? It's presumably got to be something better than that, even though I think picks are probably going to be more likely than an established player. Mm-hmm. And so, on, on the Palmieri point, I think he factors in with Green here. I think Palmieri has a greater destiny on this team than to be traded with one year left on his contract. Now, if it gets to the point where they haven't signed him to an extension this summer, yes, I think his name will come back up again. And yes, I understand the concept of getting more value while he does have that extra year, but I really do think it's very hard to look this fan base in the face and say, let's trade away our only consistent goal scorer over the last couple of years, especially this guy from New Jersey who by all accounts should I mean it's either him or Nico to be the next captain if Green whether Green gets traded this year at the deadline or makes it through I don't know that he's going to get another contract from New Jersey so Palmieri would be the obvious choice there he's one of two players from New Jersey to play for the team yeah can you name the other John Jim Dowd good job yep Rick New Jersey Rick anyway but more importantly than that Dan let's say let's say for the sake of argument Palmieri gets dealt Mm mm-hmm Who's playing right wing on this team? Uh, who's who's sitting ne- who's sitting next to Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes at right wing? 
<sighs> and that's the biggest reason why you shouldn't move him now. Because mm-hmm. already, like Wayne Simmons, you got to figure, all right, his time is limited as it is. But from Paul Mary, you got him for the next two years. And to a degree, you still need to be somewhat competitive. You need, you still need people to like pay attention to this team. And more importantly, if you want the big deal to get going, or you want Nico to continue to pile up the points in his last year of his ELC, then he, they need shooters to play with. And Palmieri is their main shooter. Don't get me wrong. I like Blake Coleman a lot. And Coleman has been shooting the lights out since he's been with uh, Gusev and Zajac for the past month and month and month to a month and a half. But Palmieri is the team's one of their best shooters and their only legit top six right winger right now. So moving him, you, you are, you are kneecapping the roster in a way. Let me put it this way. Sammy Vatnin, you may not like Damon Severson, but Severson could take Vatnin's minutes tomorrow if it came to that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the defense would still not be good, but guess what? It's not good right now, so whatever. And Wayne Simmons, yeah, he's playing in a bottom six role. You can fill in guys from Bigminton, or you can give more minutes to <sighs> John Hayden. I decided uh-huh. <laughs> that. But I'm saying there are options there. But you take away Palmieri, who do you got? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And Vatnin's in an interesting position with that, too. You know, Palmieri, as a hometown favorite, would have to yield something large in order for there basically not to be, I, I don't know, riot sounds extreme, but people are not going to be pleased if Palmieri gets traded away for a package that looks similar to Hall's. I think the yeah. Vatnin trade that brought him here of course, it was tough because Adam Henrique, another obvious fan favorite, was traded. But I think with the value that people knew Vatanen could bring back and that they've seen in his time here so far, I think people are feeling a little bit better about that kind of thing. I think if they don't see an immediate result from the Palmieri trade, it's going to be much tougher to justify. Exactly. And again, you have to go back to what we're all talking about here. You know, what is this team building for for next season? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm Ray Sherrill, the pressure's got to be on me for 2021. That means I got to have some talent for next season. Like I can't just trade away every potential UFA and say I'm calling it a day here. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys like Palmieri, guys like Gusev, guys like Blake Coleman, by the way, who's also a UFA in 2021. You know, those are guys that, as much as they could bring in probably an NHL player or a second or even a low first rounder if you're, you know, depending on how uh, how the market values these types of guys. Okay, Coleman wouldn't, but Coleman would definitely get a lot of suitors for his penalty killing and his, um, you know, remarkably accessible contract, by the way, at mm. $1.8 Um The reality is that you got to keep some guys <laughs> to be competitive for next season. Right. You know, you're not – unless Sharrow's going to be completely against type and sign like eight guys next <laughs> – you know, in, in 2020, uh, you got to you got to keep some of these guys around. And, you know, I would say unless I get a deal that totally blows me away and will get me a better player right away, then, you know, I, I keep I'd rather keep him. I'd rather move the Vatnins. I don't think Green's going to waive his no trade clause at this point. I would just say, look, let him retire as a devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let that Simmons and Vatnin go. If you can get something for Kevin Rooney, whatever. <laughs> Uh, he's also a potential <laughs> UFA. If Deming's on the market and you like what Sen could do, I guess you could move him as well. Um, or bring back Corey Schneider. Boy, <laughs> you know, no, there are 30 it, other teams just sitting there on their uh, on their haunches ready to strike at Louis Deming being available. 
Hey, hey, they <laughs> traded they traded Keith Kincaid for for what was it a fifth rounder in four it years? It doesn't matter. It was for something. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a 2022 fifth rounder. Wild, wild yeah. that that like, was possible. That that pick is still currently in high school, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're in juniors yet, or if they are, uh, they will be soon. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that that's kind of what we're looking at here trade wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that answers what you had asked and what Kristen asked and what uh, Damien asked. Yeah, that that sounds perfect. And that sounds like a good note too. end this episode on as well. We've gotten a lot of content today and just gone a lot of places. So I just want to make sure we're not overloading anyone on the weekend. But again, yeah, that's some some trade talk. And obviously this conversation will develop as we get closer to the deadline. But uh, yeah, that's just okay. just want to wrap this up by saying that that's what generally the feel of these episodes will be. We've been including this kind of stuff in the recaps, but we wanted to leave some some room to breathe for each of those things. So hope right. you guys enjoyed this. Feel free to suggest possible topics or uh, funny game ideas for us. I'll try to keep looking for some uh, obscure name games. But John is way too good. If you want to, if you want to humble me, make me go to like sporacle.com and do like the top, uh, you know, 100 scores of the 1980s and watch me <laughs> completely forget about Reggie Leach or, or you know, Steve Larmer or, or Denise Avard, which was embarrassing when you think about it. <laughs> I maybe if we... Denise Avard. All right, well, let's save that for YouTube, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll save that for when you want to embarrass embarrass me in multiple ways. No. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Looking forward to joining you in the middle of next week, and have a great and safe weekend. Let's go Devils. Go Devils.